This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su Ann. A recent study by a team of Australian scientists found a protein in the lungs that sticks to the COVID-19 virus like Velcro, thus immobilizing it. So it's a step forward in understanding COVID-19 immunity, things like why some people develop more severe symptoms while others don't. Um, and this is generally an area where we still have more questions than answers even three years after the start of the pandemic. So here to shed more light on this research and its implications, is Dr. Lee Bin Lu, group leader in RNA therapies at the University of Sydney, and he was also part of the team involved in this study. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lee Bin. Thanks for having me, Suan. So what sparked the idea to do this research? Because we've seen so much work being done in regards to with regards to COVID-19 in the past three years, right? So why look into um, what I understand is into the human genome aspect of COVID-19 research? Yeah, so... At the beginning of the pandemic, I think it was like maybe a couple of months into the first lockdown, um, uh, I sat down with Greg and Matt, who are like uh, Greg's the leader of the group and Matt's a PhD student on the project. Mm -hmm. And we we asked, like, what could we do with the functional genomics expertise that we have to help address um, this pandemic? And at that time, besides the well-established receptor ACE2, not much was known about host and virus interaction, uh, i.e. not much was known about how the virus could enter the cell besides this one receptor. And so we figured there has to be something else in, in our body that probably attaches to the virus and then does something else. And so uh, we, des- we decided to do a screen, a CRISPR-mediated uh, whole genome screen. And then we found this new uh, protein that binds uh, to the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And interestingly, instead of mediating infection, so instead of allowing virus to enter the cell, it actually ends up blocking it um, and mobilizing it. And that's how we got uh, involved in this project. Hmm. Was that something that I guess you were expecting to find or was that just what came out of the research that you were doing? Um, so I personally, I'm not an immunologist, I'm not an infectious disease uh, expert, mm-hmm. but we've been using CRISPR activation technology to investigate other types of new uh, protein interactions, and therefore we could easily adapt this technology to study um, COVID. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's how we got involved, yeah. Hmm. So what's your background then and how and how was that helpful for you in this particular study when it comes to COVID-19? Yeah, so my background is basically using functional genomics approaches to investigate disease mechanisms. So functional genomics is just a word to describe uh, the study uh, of understanding how genes interact to um, confer some sort of uh, um function to a cell. Mm -hmm. And so basically I study genes and understand how they work. And and one way we do this is using CRISPR mediated technologies. Uh, We can switch every gene uh, in your genome on or off, depending on what technology you use, and then ask like, what does it do to a cell? So in this case, we used um, cells that normally won't bind to the virus. Mm -hmm. And then we use CRISPR activation technology, which then switches on every gene in the genome. And then uh, in some cells, they'll receive an activation of some gene that will convert them into the sticky Velcro. 
that would uh, that would attach to the virus, and most cells won't. And um, and in our screen, we found that uh, besides ACE2, which is the well-established receptor, uh, our next top hit was LRC15, uh, the leucine-rich repeat-containing 15 protein. Hmm. So tell me more about that protein, right? Um, and, and I guess for mm-hmm. the average person, what is the function of this protein? Yeah, so there has been a lot of studies about uh, LRC15 in cancer. It's actually mm. found a lot in cancer-associated fibroblasts, but not uh, a lot in the healthy in a healthy context. And so what we what I did was like when I when we found this. Uh, gene, mm-hmm. uh, this LRC15 gene, I went into um, uh, the human cell atlas. So this is a database that contains the gene expression profile of every cell that you can find in the human body. And then you can probe, uh, you can ask like, where is this gene actually expressed in? And uh, what we found was like in a healthy um, human, you actually find it in a lot of very interesting structures, like in the placenta, in your tonsils, uh, in your um, lymphatic vessels and uh, and in your lungs, it's found in like some fibroblasts mm-hmm. uh, and also a lot on your skin. So and, and also looking at its structure because we can look at the protein sequences and then using some uh, uh, we use this uh, uh, algorithm alpha alpha fold, which is like a, an AI uh, mediated um, uh, protein structure. Uh, um, prediction uh, algorithm, and we could find there's a lot of similarities between our protein with a known immune uh, receptor uh, family uh, known as the toll-like receptors. So putting all of these together, um, we, we think that it's like an innate immune receptor mm-hmm. uh, that's found on these interesting structures and maybe it has some role binding viruses and then presenting them to the uh, immune system um, to in- induce some, some responses. You described it as functioning like Velcro, right? So why was this mm-hmm. particularly interesting or groundbreaking? Uh, I think up to that point, um, no one has actually studied the interaction between this Velcro and the virus. Like mm. n- nothing was known about this interaction. Um, yeah, it's been studied in cancer, but this was the first instance where we showed that this protein can actually bind to virus, uh, especially, uh, well, in this case, coronavirus. We now have like follow-up work that we're going to investigate other viruses, like your common cold virus or influenza, flu viruses, to see if they bind similarly uh, as, as the coronavirus to the LRC15 protein. Because, you know, if, if that's true, then this might this protein might serve as like a pan-viral like just all viruses um, would be able to attach to this uh, protein. Mm. And I'll get to the implications of that in a bit, but um, I guess tell yep. me more about how the study was done. So back to like what I was saying earlier, like we went into like the human cell atlas and looked at where LRC15 was expressed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we found that it's expressed in lungs, but at like low concentrations, at low levels. And so the next thing we did was like, what if we get some COVID lungs and look at um, the expression of this protein in COVID lungs. And and interestingly, what we saw is like based on gene expression, it's actually significantly upregulated. And so the next thing we did was we confirmed this increase in the uh, um, gene expression level by taking um, post-mortem lung tissue. And then uh, we did um, a, a technique called immunostaining where we could use antibody to detect the protein. And we found that um, it's actually lining the entire lungs of like uh, COVID, like um, postmortem lungs, and so this suggests that um, you know LRC15 is upregulated. It's increased 
in response to an infection. But obviously, we have to do more follow-up studies to see if like it's actually induced by the infection. But interestingly, after we submitted our manuscript, there was a group in uh, Imperial College London. Mm-hmm. Um, these are clinicians that have access to human blood samples. And what they did was they just like did an unbiased um, sort of detection assay of the blood, looking at all proteins in the blood. And what they saw was that um, LRC15 actually correlated with um, the severity of, uh, of COVID. So what they found was like if in human patients, if they have very severe COVID, they actually have less LRC15 in their blood. So this kind of like matches up with what we found uh, with our detection, um, but there's still this like quite weird relationship like okay it's it's there's so much in the lung but then there's less in in the blood so what does this mean there might be some fine interplay between having lrc15 in the right spot might help um um, decrease the severity of of covid Mm. so it's not just your study but another study in a different um institution that also found that sort of similar correlation i guess that that does warrant more to look into this right so Correct me if I'm wrong, then I'm just trying to understand it. So that means that if someone has a higher level of LRC15, that means that their, the severity of the COVID-19 infection could be lesser. Yep, yep. Based on the study from the Imperial College London, that's what they suggest. Uh, more LRC15 means uh, less severe COVID. So that's why we think um, the responses that we're seeing in our lungs might be uh, some sort of innate immune response to the infection to help protect ourselves again against the infection. Mm. So what are the implications of, you know, your study and this one done by Imperial College with regards to COVID-19? I guess what could we expand on from there? Uh, one, one way that we're trying to uh, expand in, in our research and also like the clinical translation uh, is to generate a therapy that could tap into the uh, ability of this protein to bind the virus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and obviously this will need more research to, and we have to validate this in preclinical models, but if it's true that the protein can uh, bind to the virus and then blocks it from entering cells and preventing infection, um, we're thinking like we could probably generate an RNA therapy. So this would be the science behind the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having that as either a nasal spray where you can inhale into your lungs and then uh, your cells will then uh, make this protein and coat your lungs from preventing it, the lungs from being infected. So that's one way that we think we can probably generate a new therapy for, for COVID. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting because you mentioned that your study looked at post-mortem tissue, right? You you collected mm-hmm. samples from people who have um, died of COVID-19. Yep. Is, is there a way for us to study this among people who have survived? Because I'm sure that would help you to better understand the mechanism behind it, right? Yeah, unfortunately, like there's no like easy way for us to get healthy mm-hmm. uh, recovering sample because, you know, to do a lung biopsy is, is quite an invasive uh, procedure and you know surgeons are not going to just easily do it on someone who's recovering. Uh, hence, that's why we need to do it in some pre- preclinical models because if we could do it in small animals mm. and then prove that you know if let's say we reduce um, you know one can imagine if we reduce the LRC15 in a mouse and then try to infect them, they should have a more severe outcome and vice versa. If we try to reintroduce. Um, this protein, perhaps it will protect them against the infection. So most likely we'll we'll have to validate this in a preclinical model um, before we move on to like human studies. 
Mm. Now, you also mentioned that what's next is looking into um, how this could be applied with other viruses, right? Tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so probably, I want to say close to 14 years ago, there was a study that did an infection assay with an adenovirus. So this is a different virus compared Mm -hmm. to coronavirus. And when they tried to infect cells that had LRC15, that was actually the first study that showed that it doesn't enter. So it was able to block that adenovirus. And so our work is the second study to show that uh, it could block other types of viruses. And so in our follow-up now, as I mentioned, we're going to try the other ones and then see we have assays established where uh, whether it's cell killing or infection assays um, to determine if like viruses uh, can enter a cell or not. And then hopefully with with LRC15, uh, we see a um, just just general blockade throughout all the, all the different types of viruses that we test. Hmm. Now, of course, there are areas to look into with other viruses, right? But I guess with regards to Mm -hmm. COVID-19, you know, just to, I guess, round up our discussion on a bigger picture, some people Mm -hmm. might say that, well, a lot of people are vaccinated now. You know, most people seem to not worry about severe COVID-19 anymore. What is the value in continuing research into this area? Well, I mean, as we know, the strains are changing. Uh, They rapidly evolve. And even though most people think that it's not as serious as it was, there are still a lot of people that if you look at the death rates, it's as the rates have remained the same, like percentage wise. Mm-hmm. So it is still pretty severe if you catch it. And, and there are still a lot of immunocompromised people that are susceptible to infection. And so coming up with like any um, new alternatives or treatment um, on top of like whatever that's already available on the market uh, will be helpful in help in helping us uh, combating you know uh, COVID, and of course like you know with what I mentioned, if if it works against all the other viruses, it could help us in future pandemics, hopefully, uh, in in the treatment for those viruses. All right, thank you so much for joining me today, Lipin. Yep, no worries. Thank you. I've been speaking to Dr. Lee Bin Lu, group leader in RNA therapies at the University of Sydney, and he was also part of the team involved in a recent study that found that a protein in the lungs sticks to the COVID-19 virus like Velcro, um, thus immobilizing it and further expanding our understanding about COVID-19 immunity. I'm Lim Suen, and this has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.